Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole! First down! End zone! Touchdown! Touchdown Raiders! Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And then there was just a week. Just one week. At this time next week, I'll be talking about, and then there's just an hour or two. Because at this time next week, we'll be one hour away from the pre-draft show from a location still yet to be determined with JT the Brick, Jason Fitz, and also Eric Allen as we lead you right into the 2022 NFL Draft. One week away. I'm so excited about this week and all the time that we're going to have to soak in the NFL draft here in Las Vegas. So excited about it. And then I promise you, Raider Nation, it'll be done before you know it. You'll look up. It'll be late Saturday evening. Maybe it'll be Sunday morning. You'll say, what the hell just happened? What just happened? And then all of a sudden you'll pass the Bellagio and the stage will be gone. Because i tell you one thing. As quickly as they're able to put these stages up and put things together, is as quickly as they take them down. So it'll be up there. And say, oh man, it's all these people downtown. It's crazy. All this fun is going on. All of a sudden, it'll be gone that fast. And then we'll be talking about what was the NFL draft here in Las Vegas. But we are officially, Demond, one week and some change away. And when I mean some change, I mean some hours. It doesn't feel like it. It went by fast. It really, this, this draft season went by really quickly. A lot of that is. Because the Raiders went to the playoffs. A lot of that is, well, first of all, let's back up a a little bit. A lot of that is because there was 18 weeks in the regular season. And then it also is because the Raiders were in the playoffs. So the conversation was never about the draft in early November or early December as years past have been. When you get to a certain point in the season, you're like, well, team's got four dubs and it's December. Start looking at the draft. Never had to do that this year. They kept you on the edge of their seats throughout the course of the regular season, wondering if they were going to make it into the playoffs and went all the way down to week 18 and then got that big dub over the Chargers at Allegiant Stadium to put themselves into the playoffs. So all that draft talk was just put to the side, put to the side, do that later. Remember all the conversation about, well, who's going to be the next head coach? All that conversation don't matter. Still playing football. So now, boom, here we are, one week away from the NFL draft, and I could not be more excited about what's going to go down, how it's going to go down, what the Raiders are going to do, and what the rest of the teams in the league are going to do. I say it all the time. The draft is one of my favorite events that I get to cover each and every year. The Super Bowl is fantastic. But at the end of the day, you know there's two teams competing, and that's it. At the draft, all 32 teams and all 32 teams' fan bases believe that they have a chance to get better. Every single fan base goes into the draft weekend thinking, Man, this player is going to change what this franchise is going to do. This is going to be the this is going to be the chosen one. If you, if your franchise is sorry, if they need a quarterback, <laughs> it's like, "Oh, going to get that quarterback of the future. If you need a DB, going to get that lockdown guy. Going to need an edge rusher, going to get the next guy." You know what I mean? It's like every fan base goes into the draft weekend thinking exactly what they need 
is exactly what they're going to come out with the draft with. And they always find a way, and I'm guilty of it myself, finding a way to know that the players that were drafted by that team are the real players that are going to get it done. Now, you know, we find out a little later that, okay, maybe they weren't. Maybe that wasn't a good decision. But it is so cool to see the fan bases of all the teams representing at the draft getting so super excited about what they're about to see and and what they think that they're seeing while these players are, are getting drafted. And not to mention, how about the players? How about the guys that are actually living out their dream? You know what I mean? Like these guys have been playing football their whole lives for an opportunity to take their game to the next level and to hear their name, especially the, you know, the first couple round guys, to hear their names and to have an opportunity to walk across that stage and greet the commissioner, hear the, the crowd booing the commissioner, but hearing the, the, the crowd cheering on you. I mean, just think about how much of a thrill and excitement, regardless if that player is worth the salt and ever does anything in the league, they might not ever do anything in the league, but to have that opportunity... Man, it doesn't get too much better than that. So uh, very excited about what we're going to see downtown Las Vegas next week. Got a lot coming up on today's show. Uh, Damon actually had the debut of his show, The Fight Game, on 1230 AM The Game earlier today at 11 this morning. Uh, him and Jared Justice did a really good job. Also, uh, you had Adam Hill from the Review Journal. Also, he's part of Cofield & Company on ESPN Las Vegas. He was part of the show. And I'll say off top, and we'll talk about it a little later in the show, I think you did a really good job. Thank you. I'll tell you this, we had the whole building listening. The whole building was listening. When the show started, I, I sent an email to everyone, said, hey, DeMond's show's on right now. Natalie tuned in. Natalie's the big boss, by the way. Dane, <laughs> big time player on the other side of the building, sales, paying attention. He was listening. A lot of folks were listening. A lot of folks were tweeting. Hit me up. I had a couple guys up say, DeMond's the best sports guy in town. And I was like, oh, damn, okay. Your check's in the mail. The check's, I was just about to, you took the word. <laughs> Your check is in the mail, and that's okay. Hey, man, it starts somewhere. So uh, congratulations, man. I wanted, to, I wanted to go ahead and give you some props on air. Uh, you're doing a really good job, and, and you know, it's a small step, but 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 that's just the first step. You're going to take many more steps in your journey along the way. So congratulations. If you did not know, Damon has his own show uh, every Wednesday, Thursday. Today's Thursday. My days get all mixed up. Every Thursday, 11 a.m. on our sister station, 1230 a.m. The Game. It's called The Fight Game. And you and Jared did a really good job. So congratulations. Uh, thank you so much. I thought, because Jared and I, we've done podcasts before, so I was like, our chemistry will be well. Yeah. But the interview I did with Adam, I really, I was really proud of the way that came out as well. It was. It was really good. It was really good. I thought you guys uh, broke everything down, sounded really good, uh, sounded like you guys were having a good time. And at the end of the day, if you're doing this and you can't have a good time, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Are you interested in any fights? No, but you know what's funny? <laughs> but this, no, but this is, this is my, this is my, um, this is how you know that it's a good show. I don't really care about the fights. But I was interested in the show, and it sounded good, and it kept my attention. You know what I mean? So if it's if it, if I can listen to it and enjoy it, and not really have a dog in the fight or care that much, I know that it's a it's a good quality show because somebody who really is locked in is like, oh man, you know, someone who's real invested in in the fight game is going to care more than I do, and they'll be locked in. So that's how I know the, the that it's a good show. And I actually got a text from Doug, who is is I mean, he's a big time player around here as well. He does so much work behind the scenes. He even texted me and was like, hey, fight's not really my thing, but this is an entertaining show. I said, yeah, I agree 100%. Sweet. So there you go. And we also talked about a little bit of Raider talk. Chandler Jones' brother, yep. John Jones. 
I mean, so a little bit of something for everybody. Yeah, no, it was. It was. So uh, so well done, man. Well done. Keep up the good work. We definitely appreciate you. Now, don't be messing up on this show because if you do, then, you know, then, <laughs> then you're in trouble. Also, you know, we were talking about how the draft has been going by so fast, like trying to book guests where, oh, next week, still trying to get those last minute guys. Hey, you want you on to talk about the draft? Right. And it's just after next week. It's going to be over, but I feel like every day has been like someone to talk about the draft for this. Right. Or what's this guy's specialty to talk about these kind of players or that. Right. And then after next week, all of these weeks, months, it's just going to be woo. Yeah. The, please believe. And then we'll hear from those guys again next year. Right. Well, there's going to be, man, there's going to be so much to talk about. So don't you worry. There's there's plenty of stuff that we have going. I keep saying the offseason, but it doesn't feel like there's any offseason. But coming up on today's show, we're very busy here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. Earlier today, we found out about the passing of the Mad Bomber, Daryl LaMonica, at age 80. I actually had an opportunity to talk to him in October at Fred Belitnikoff's Crab Feed. Uh, it was really good, about five-minute conversation. And that was my only interaction I've ever had with the Mad Bomber. But, man, I was so blessed to be able to have that opportunity. Actually, when I found out that he passed away, I uh, went to my phone and went to my, my voice memos and actually was able to pull up that interview and listen to it a little something, something. So you're able to, you're going to hear that conversation coming up on today's show. But in a matter of minutes, we're going to have George Takata from K- KMJ Morning Sports uh, in Fresno in the in the 559. He's also Reedley College Director of Marketing and Communications. He's been around the sports scene for a very long time in the Central Valley. He's going to join the show to start things off to talk about the Mad Bomber. He's had very... Uh, a lot of interactions with him and uh, had a lot of private conversations with him as well and uh, has has been very out there and, and open about the fact that uh, Daryl LaMonica loved being a Raider. So we'll talk to George Takata coming up in a matter of minutes. Then at 2.30, Emery Hunt from CBS Sports. He's owner of Football Game Plan. Uh, it's an NFL draft guide and he takes another look at at the NFL draft. He takes another look at all these prospects and really starts to uh, deep dive into guys that are going to be drafted in the third, fourth, fifth, seventh round. You know, the the rounds where the Raiders have picks. So we're going to really deep dive into a conversation about the draft with Emory Hunt. And he's actually a guy that was recommended to me. You know, someone who listens to the show all the time was like, man, you guys are doing a great job, but you got to get this guy on because he's so knowledgeable. So I went back, looked at some of his work, downloaded his guide, bought his guide, it's 12 bucks. And someone might say 12 bucks is a lot of money. Over a thousand pages. Has yours even finished downloading yet? It's so it's so big. No, it has not. <laughs> Q sent it over an hour ago. Right. It's that large. It has that much. And that's why I respect that. And so if I could ask him to come on and talk for 15 minutes about the draft, the least I could do is download his guide with that he put that much work into. So I'm excited about the conversation we'll have at 2.30 with Emery Hunt. And then at 3 o'clock, you'll hear that conversation that I have with uh, the Mad Bomber. That's coming up at 3, my, my one-on-one that I had with him for about five minutes back in October. And then at 3.30, Jake Crane from the Daily Wire. He had a chance to talk to K.J. Wright yesterday. And K.J. Wright said something about the AFC West. And who he believes is going to win the AFC West and why? It's going to be very intriguing to you, Raider Nation. So that's the guest lineup that we have for you. Let's go ahead and get into the show and let's get into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. And without further ado, we take it to the Raider Nation listener line and the hotline and bring in George Takata, and he's been covering sports in the 559 for a very long time. He's also there at Reedley College, Director of Marketing, and side note, Reedley College, the home of one Josh Allen, who's doing big things at, uh, in, with the Buffalo Bills right now, but George, thank you so much 
for your time this afternoon. We're we're bringing you on to talk about a different quarterback and for a different reason. That's the Mad Bomber, Daryl LaMonica. We found out earlier today passed away at the age of 80, and I know you were very close with Daryl. So when you hear that, when you hear those thoughts, and you, you know the Mad Bomber real closely, what are your thoughts when you think of Daryl? Well, Q, thanks a lot for having me. I really do appreciate the uh, the opportunity to talk about Daryl. Um, I didn't know him during his playing days. I wasn't born yet. <laughs> but um, as both Central Valley natives, we got to talk a lot about the history of the Raiders and, and Al Davis and, um, you know, throwing the ball deep to Warren Wells. And not a lot of people know that he was throwing bombs to Fred Bolitnikoff. That'd be like Derek Carr throwing a deep ball to Hunter Renfro right now. You don't really <laughs> think about Fred Bolitnikoff as someone who goes deep, but he did because that's all Daryl Lamonica did practically was throw it deep and throw it well and won a lot of games and, um, got to interview him. I was a sportscaster to CBS affiliate in Fresno here for 16 years, um, was on air for 20 years and spoke to him a lot, um, about Raider nation and just the nuggets he had stuff that, you know, you wouldn't hear in regular interviews, but if you got to know him and just how proud he was to be a Raider, how, how much he loved to represent the Raiders wherever he went. Um, you know, he was at the alumni events during training camp every year, whether it was in Napa or Vegas, talk glowingly of Derek Carr. They're both Central Valley natives as well as Tom Flores. You know, we have three Raider quarterbacks here from the Central Valley, and he loved being connected with those two. And spoke glowingly of Derek all the time. Um, at, during Super Bowl 37, we had when the Raiders played the Bucks. I had him on, on set with Tim McDonald, a former 49er mm. legend who is also from the Central Valley. And, of, of course, I couldn't have, you know, Daryl would not speak anything negatively about the Raiders, about the Super Bowl, of course. Right. And, of course, well, who do you want to win, Daryl? Oh, well, who do you think I want to win? <laughs> but he just was always so energetic. He talked a lot with his hands. Yep. Uh, just, you know, proud, a proud member of Raider Nation, a proud member of the Central Valley. Um, he's going to be missed around here and, of course, uh, within Raider Nation. Yeah, and, I mean, again, you mentioned a, a couple times that he's from the Central Valley, and, man, what a lot of talent coming out of the Central Valley, right? When you just talk about the Raider quarterbacks that have come from there. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's got a he's got a, a, a stadium, a stadium there in Clovis named after him because of what he was able to do in, in high school and everything. What does he mean to the Central Valley? And, and like you said, he's going to be really missed around there, but what, what does he mean to the Central Valley when they, when they hear Daryl LaMonica? Well, he went to Clovis High School, and the stadium is named La Monica Stadium. Uh, he was one of the you know, very first uh, super-duper stars to come out of our area from, from the Clovis Unified um, School District. Um, he was inducted into the Clovis uh, Unified Athletic Hall of Fame, which we started, I think, in 2014 or 13. He was part of the inaugural class. I am see that every year, so I got to induct him, help induct him, uh, which was uh, you know, one of the honors of, of my career. He means uh, so much to this area. He stayed in this area after his playing career days were over. He loved to fish, loved to talk about the outdoors and going to local lakes and, 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 and getting outdoors and, 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 and breaking away from, from life in general uh, to enjoy recreational activities out here. Um, he loved it so much that he came back. Uh, he embraced this area from the beginning, and uh, you know, we embraced him right back was always giving him his time in you know, local charity events, you know, TV interviews, media interviews, because such a good interview. Right. I mean, yep. everybody wanted to talk to him because he was just so good. And we would have to cut the sound bites down a little bit because he talked too much. <laughs> <laughs> so a funny story about uh, the, the Hall of Fame, he was the last inductee of the inaugural class. It was a very, very uh, prestigious class. Uh, included a lot of local legends, obviously. And I was told as MC, look, we know he talks a lot, 
but you're going to have to keep him to like five to seven minutes. He went 15 minutes, but it was a great 15 minutes. It didn't feel like that because of just how, just because he's just a great conversationalist. And there was too much to talk about to keep him in that time window. And it was the end of the night and what the hell, let him, let him, let him go. And it was <laughs> worth every second. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. I got a chance to talk to him in October, and it was only about five and a half minutes, but it was all him. It wasn't any of me. You know, I just uh, asked one word here, one word there, and boom, he went. He just went on. And, and like you said, talks with his hands, and there's actually a picture I put out on Twitter where he's talking to me, and his hands are up. You know, he's using his hands, like yep. you said. That's a great description right there. Uh, we're talking with George Takata. We're talking all things the Mad Bomber, Daryl LaMonica, who passed away today at the age of 80. And as far as, I mean, like the style that he was, like you said, the Mad Bomber, always throwing the ball deep and of course you weren't watching him I wasn't watching him you know we weren't around for that but just for the way that he kind of changed the game and really really enforced who the Raiders were that they were going to go deep they were going to take what they wanted instead of what the defense gave them what did that mean prototypical Al Davis guy you know the, the funny thing is is that Tom Flores was traded to Buffalo for Daryl LaMonica right so you've got You've got these two guys from the Central Valley who are traded for each other, and Mr. Davis wanted LaMonica because he could throw the ball deep. Tom Flores did too, but Daryl did it a lot better, I think. And uh, just to, to, to create that, they have the best nickname in all of professional football, by the way. I, I don't know of a better one. Uh, it would be at number one of, of my list. Right. But... Um, just, just the fact that you know he was part of the early greatness of the Raiders and leading them to Super Bowl two, and um, and just the, his style of ball, which you know he kind of started that, mm-hmm. um, and then created that through and through. With, you know, we love going. Everybody loves seeing the Raider quarterbacks go deep, mm-hmm. and he was the king of that. He was probably the best one at doing that for for the organization. No, he he really was, and everyone wanted him, the next guy, right? Everyone wanted the next guy that could throw the ball deep, who had that ability. You know, the Raiders went and drafted Jam- uh, Jamarcus Russell because he had the strongest arm. But yeah. do you remember when they signed Jeff George as a free agent? And because he had such a strong arm and he rocked the number three, everyone said he's going to be that guy. He's going to be the mad bomber. And he still threw 29 touchdown passes. They didn't win a lot of games that year, but he he threw 29 touchdown passes that first year. But do you remember all those conversations where people were saying he's going to be the next mad bomber because how strong his arm is? Especially Jeff George who wore number three. And then that didn't work. And Kerry Collins, oh, he's got a rocket. He's got a flop, a rocket arm. He's going to be the next mad bomber. You know, they're always looking for the next Daryl LaMonica. I think Derek Carr throws a really nice deep ball, to be honest with you. Uh, but they don't compare him to Daryl LaMonica, obviously. No, no. Uh, those, those, those type of quarterbacks, I think, are, are, are long gone. Um, it's more of the West Coast thing, and I get that. But, boy, was it so much fun to see uh, Daryl in the films that I've seen. Uh, you know, growing up, to throw it 50, 60 yards to Warren Wells and Art Powell and, and, and Fred Bolenikoff and it was just so much fun to watch. No, it really was. And, uh, I mean, again, kind of really changed the game, changed the way that the game was played. And, and you know, just adding that element, that deep ball, like Cliff Branch uh, brought the st- speed to the game. Uh, Daryl LaMonica brought the deep ball to the game. Now, as far as, and you mentioned this, how much he loved being a Raider. What were some of those conversations with you like when he was talking about just being a Raider and how proud he was to be a part of the Silver and Black? Oh, he would, it, you could see the twinkle in his eye. You know, I talked about, you know, how he moves his hands, but when he talked about the Raiders specifically, the, 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 he just lit up. You know, the color in his cheeks were, got a little redder. He's, the twinkle in his eye got a little brighter. Uh, he would talk about 
uh, you know, training camp and, and, and coach Madden and, and, um, and just, you know, getting ready for Super Bowl two and, um, what it was like to win an AFL championship. And, and he talked about his teammates and he always talked about the, uh, everybody else. Like if it wasn't for Warren Wells, I wouldn't be talking about my career today. If it wasn't for, you know, Art Powell or Al Davis or John Madden, I, I couldn't be talking to you about how great it was to be a Raider without those people. He always deflected to other people, but he, you know, he didn't talk a lot about himself. He had great stories to tell. And, uh, I'm, I'm really honored that he shared some of those, uh, those stories, uh, with me, especially about Coach Madden and the, those, like people would say, I don't know who talks more of the hands more, Coach Madden or Daryl Mike. You know, those, <laughs> those type of things. Um, funny little inside nuggets that, that I, I was, uh, I was honored to, to, uh, to be part of. Well, if you got one, if you got a, a Madden story that uh, the Mad Bomber told you, uh, feel free to share it with us. We have no problem. We're all ears. Well, yeah, I know. I know you don't. Um, let's see. Let's see. <laughs> a, a, a good, a good Madden story was just you know about uh, how Coach Madden gave you the freedom to do stuff. You know, always you know, just just be on time and, and, and play like hell when when on Sundays. Um, you know, and, and, and when when Daryl Monica and, and Coach Madden were, were together. Uh, you know, those rules were the same, but, you know, Daryl was like, you know, coach, you know, I'm not really one of those guys to go out and, and raise hell. I'll just raise hell for you on the football field. How's that sound? <laughs> you know, and that's, you know, that, that sounds good to me. I, I love that. So there's a little nugget. And then, um, when Derek Carr just were, re, got drafted in 2014, he would take Derek under his wing and they were at an event at Clovis High together. Um, and Daryl, like, I think he talked to Derek for maybe like an hour. Wow. He pulled him to the side. That was a private conversation. I didn't have any, I didn't hear anything about that and what went on, but you saw the hand gestures and the, and leaning in and talking to you. His breath wasn't all that great, by the way, Daryl's wasn't. Um, <laughs> he, he could use some gum every now and then. Just as a I wasn't going to say anything, but, um, but you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, can someone get this guy some dentine? Something. Or <laughs> big red something but uh you know you just let that go because you wanted you, you were just glued to every word he said right no those, he, took the the, time, he really he really took a lot of time with Derek, and that I, that was awesome that i mean how, how man i can only imagine how Derek felt about that you know having that opportunity to talk to a guy like him like daryl lamonica and, and talk and spend that much time when he's just a rookie in the nfl and uh man it's just i'm sure the stories could go on and on and on and uh like i said the five minutes that i was able to spend with him back in october was great he told some great stories i'm actually going to play that interview later on in the show i did want to ask you while i had you on it would be only wrong if i didn't we're talking about Derek carr we've got to talk about his uh college running mate Devontae Adams, who the Raiders just made a trade for and gave a nice little contract extension. How proud is Central Valley right now? How, how, how proud is the 559 to see Derek Carr and Devontae Adams both repping for the Silver and Black? Well, I'm a Raider fan. So when that went down, I saw it on Twitter. I'm in my office. I think the, I work at Reedley College, right. as you mentioned. I think the whole campus knew what happened. <laughs> um, I was just, I was just, because I, my, my sports catch career started with Derek, with David Carr in 1997. It ended in 2013 with Derek. That's how I kind of bookended, which was really great. Uh, I'm good friends with the cars to this day. And just to see these guys hopefully reconnect the way they did at Fresno State, uh, the numbers that Devontae and Derek put up together, just ridiculous the two seasons they got to play together. Um, and if they can do a fraction of that in Las Vegas, uh, the Raiders are going to go places big time. 
Um, and just to see these guys connect again, they're best friends anyway, and they've worked out together now. You guys all know those stories. But um, here in Fresno, uh, you know, Fresno State football, and you know, that's an immediate marketing gem. For yes. Them. Like, these are our guys are on the same team, and <laughs> Raider Nation, you know, till the day we die, and Bulldog born and Bulldog bred and all that stuff. So we couldn't be happier. We've had a lot of great athletes come through uh, this area and, and go on to big things like Paul George and Aaron Judge and, and, and these two, uh, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr, and to see them play together is going to be a hell of a lot of fun for the next you know, four or five years. Yeah, absolutely. What are your thoughts on the AFC West? I mean, you're a Raider fan. What are you thinking when you see the AFC West? It's loaded, but uh, the Raiders are just as loaded as every other team in the division. I'm very biased, Q, so I think <laughs> the Raiders can win the division. Um, I, I, I really do. Um, I, I'm so glad Tyreek Hill is out of the division. That's awesome. Uh, but the Chiefs draft well, yeah. so I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if they they're going to draft a, a receiver and, and get a quality one in the draft. Uh, you know, I'm not really I'm still really not that worried about the Broncos because the Raiders have dominated them so much, even with Russell Wilson or not. I still think they can beat them. And the Chargers are all Justin Herbert's all about numbers. And, and the, the Chargers are great of having quarterbacks that put up big numbers and never do anything. Dan Fouts, uh, Philip Rivers, and now Justin Herbert. You know, they can take you to the playoffs, but they can't really get past that. Um, it was Stan Humphrey that took them to the Super Bowl, which is, which is crazy. So I think the Raiders can win it. I love the contract extensions for, for Crosby and for Derek Carr, and I know Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, hopefully Josh Jacobs are next. Uh, I'm glad these guys are going to be together this year because I think the money might go dry for one of these guys with, for Jacobs or Renfro or Waller. I don't know who they're going to keep, but can't keep everybody. Right. But this year I think, I think they could do some big things. I love Rocky Asin, the trade they got. I love Chandler Jones on the other edge with Max. Um, you know, losing Ngakwe is tough, but hey, you know, you, you replace him with Chandler Jones. I think they can win the division and, and, and win a playoff game and we'll see what happens from there. I think, I wouldn't be surprised if all the playoff, uh, the, all the playoff teams, all the, both wildcard spots, we're both AFC West teams. That they're that good. Yeah, no, that's a, and that's a good possibility that that could happen. I mean, there's a real possibility that that could happen. So I wouldn't be surprised either. Well, George, we definitely appreciate your time this afternoon sharing your thoughts on the Mad Bomber, talking about the Raiders. I too am a Raider fan, so believe me, when you have a little bias, that's okay. I, I'm not mad at you. We we share that in common. Not to mention, both of us spent plenty of time in the five five nine. I'm here in Vegas now, but uh, I call the five five nine my home as well. So, uh, George, thank you so much for your time man keep doing the great work and do what you do at Reedley college hold it down and uh, we appreciate you we'll talk to you soon likewise q i will not root for josh allen at all i'm all about the race so there you go <laughs> there it is appreciate you my man there he goes george takata right there he is at Reedley college right now director of marketing and communications and uh does morning sports there in the 559 has been around sports uh, covering sports for the longest there uh real good dude right there and he's a big time raider fan and we definitely appreciate him sharing his thoughts on Daryl LaMonica. Coming up next, we're going to have Emery Hunt from CBS Sports, owner of Football Game Plan. He's going to talk all things NFL draft as we go fast and furious here on Unnecessary Rough. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time! Welcome back to 
Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. A week from today, we'll be talking about the first round of the NFL draft. It takes place right here in Las Vegas. Very excited about that. It's going to be crazy downtown, but it's going to be a whole lot of fun downtown. And we've been talking about the NFL draft and mock draft this and mock draft that. We've been putting together our own mock drafts. It's just kind of what we do. We're NFL draft crazy around here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. And that's going to keep on rolling right now as we're joined on the phone lines by Emery Hunt, CBS Sports, owner of Football Game Plan. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Fball Game Plan. And uh, Emery, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. And off top, man, you have this draft guide, Football Game Plan Scouting Draft Prospect Guide. It is so long. There is so much involved in it. You put so much work into this thing. It's over a thousand pages long. I uh, I bought it and downloaded it earlier today. I was checking it out. How much went into putting this thing together? <laughs> well, first of all, I appreciate you bringing me on. But you know, it's uh, it took me a good two months. Number one, and it's, it just requires a lot of discipline. What people don't know during the football season, I covered the NFL. I cover the college football game. I, you know, I'm a college football color analyst, so you'll see me on different broadcasts. And I cover everything around football for CBS Sports in, in, the, in the fall. So I don't really get into the draft until January when I make my travels through the all, all the All-Star games. Mm. And I'm talking about from the smaller All-Star games to, you know, the Senior Bowl. And, and I want to say after my trip to the All-Star games, I you know, starting the day after the Super Bowl, from that Monday to when I was done, I get up at 5 a.m., I start at 5.30, I break at noon to about 2.30, go eat lunch, go work out, get back at it about 3.30, and go until 7.30. And you do that until it's done. And, and I had one week in between where the HPC Legacy Bowl, that mm-hmm. took a week away, and then I was working the combine for CBS Sports, so that took another week away. So by the time I got back to the combine March 7th, I was at 400 prospects. So from March 7th through March 28th, I knocked out the remaining 615 <laughs> prospects. That's awesome. It really is. And you said it. That takes a lot of discipline. I don't think I got that discipline, but you do. And uh, you have a heck of a draft guide. And like I said, I was going through it earlier today, and I really enjoy it already. Just I'm going to deep dive into it this weekend. But one of the lines that you say in the introduction, every draft class has talent. You know, there's no such thing as a as – a, a, you know, a weak draft or a, a, I don't know the exact words, but basically there's talent in every draft. Uh, explain what that means, because everyone always says, well, this isn't a very good whatever draft. But really, like you said, there's a lot, a lot of talent in this draft. Yeah, if you're doing, you know, right by the draft and right by your, your job title, if you want to be a scout or a draft analyst in the media, you should always embrace the amount of prospects that there are to to uh, to break down. I said this a couple of weeks ago. I was like, you know, sometimes it just depends on how how big your shovel is. What shovel are you bringing? Sometimes you, some guys want to just scrape the top layer. Let's say like last year when they had all the quarterback prospects. Oh, it's easy to scout the draft in. But when you don't have those headliners that we always talk about, sometimes you got to dig a little deeper. You may need a stronger shovel to dig a little deeper. And I feel like that's every class. And this class in particular we're dealing with two draft classes, to be honest, because a lot of guys went back, you know, to college after the free year of COVID. Put it this way. Last year, my draft, I was a little bit over 500 prospects. This year, you talked about it, it's over 1,000. So that tells you we're dealing with two draft classes 
uh, essentially in this one. So this is the deepest draft I've seen uh, probably since World War II. Wow. Wow. Yeah, your exact line, every draft class has talent. There is never a down year. I love that. I love the way that you worded that, and I think we always need to keep that in perspective. Again, we're talking with Emory Hunt here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man demond has got one for you. Yeah, I've just got to ask because I've only skimmed it, <laughs> but what is, what school did a prospect, the most obscure school that you found a prospect from? Because there is one player from the University of Regina, and I don't, I've never even heard of that school before. Well, listen, it, it, that's Canada. So I'm well familiar with the Canada schools. The one school that threw me off that I had never heard of, uh, was, it was a running back from Lewisburg College. It was like, yo, what, what is, what's that? I, yeah, I'd never heard of that. I realized it was a JUCO, and this kid declared early. So I had to really do some homework to find out more about the school and the prospect. I was like, wow, I, I'd never heard. And usually I'm on point with all the schools, logos, and, and everything. So, as a matter of fact, right after the draft, I'll be heading up to Canada because they do their senior bowl the week before the uh, you know before the season um, because you can't have a senior bowl anything after November up in Canada so I'll go get started on 2023 up in um, up in Hamilton Ontario right after the draft so yeah I'm well versed in those those Canadian colleges for sure yeah and I also saw that there were a number of HBCU prospects in there as well so what does it go into um Looking at those prospects, and does the number are the numbers been increasing over the years? And what's it like for the HBCU prospects? You know, that's a great question because I know the talk was, man, no one got drafted out of an HBCU last year. You know, draft and how could they do that? Well, first of all, a lot of guys went back to school. You know, and a lot of HBCU didn't play in 2020. They played in the spring. So with that being the backdrop, you come out now. You got the HBCU Legacy Bowl and the, the amount of talent that was there, you had 100 prospects there, and coupled with a lot of what you saw all throughout the season, this is uh, probably one of the better years for HBCU prospects. I can see, you know, seven to ten guys maybe getting drafted with another 20 to 30 signing undrafted rookie free agent contracts. And if you forget, as much as they talked about last year not having any HBCU prospects and that's an indictment on the NFL, like, wait a minute. In 2020, we had a first-round pick out of Alabama State. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so it's, it's all about where the talent is. And this year, there's a ton of HBCU talent. How much does it help that guys like Deion Sanders are at Jackson State and Eddie George is one spot, and then you see, uh, you know, you see uh, Hugh Jackson at Grambling? How much is that going to help be able to attract not obviously all the talent, all the big time, t- you know, first round talent, but some still some top notch talent willing to go to HBCUs because those guys that have been there, done that, are there. It's funny you say that because I, I, we have a draft show coming out uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday on Next Level Sports, and I interviewed. Al Young, the cornerback out of Jackson State, and I asked him about that. I was like, I was like, bro, listen, please tell me what that was like when Deion Sanders called you and said he wants you, Mr. Cornerback, to come play for Jackson State. I was like, if Barry Sanders called me to come play for any school, you wouldn't be able to tell me Jack. And so <laughs> he was like, man, he said, I, I, I said, he said I was nervous. Uh, my hand was shaking. And I'm Deion Sanders talking to me, and I got posters on my wall, <laughs> Deion Sanders. So. It's going to help a ton, man. I can only imagine Eddie George being able to grab any running back prospect he wants. Hugh Jackson with that NFL experience, um, showing guys like, hey, look what I can do. Here's what I've done at the league. That's going to be easier for him. And we know what Dion has done down there at Jackson State, grabbing some five stars and four stars. So to your point, I think it's going to be easy 
for these guys to get the talent into HBCU programs to go along with already going out there with your, your Willie Simmons, right. uh, your, your main, uh, your, your McNairs. Those guys are doing great already, but now having these, these spotlight coaches in the HBCU ranks just kind of elevates it as a whole. Now, Emory, I wanted to kind of take a look at the draft. You know, from a Raiders point of view, they don't have a pick till round three, number 86, because of the Devontae Adams trade. And I think that everyone at Raider Nation is fine with that. You know, hey, you get Devontae Adams, you're good with not having a first or a second round pick. But through all your research, all the the you know the draft, the, the draft prospects that you've gone through, how much talent, what class do you think is really, really talented as far as is, you know, depth that that will be available in round three and beyond? You know, I, I get this question a lot, and I always give the same answer. It, it's the receivers and defensive backs, and it's a big reason. The big reason why is, you know, you go to high school and you see the 7 all sevens being prominent because teams are throwing a lot. You go to college, everybody, you know, three, four, five wide receivers set, so you better have three, four, and five DBs that can cover. And so the amount of passing that we're seeing now, just in football in general, you're going to see a ton of talent at receiver and in the secondary. And it's not just talent for the sake of having talent. You know, these are guys getting so many reps, uh, so much coverage that they're seeing and in, in, in playing. But they're now it's early. Remember the old saying used to be, I was going to take a receiver about two to three years to, you know, really get up to speed as a pro. Well, these guys are stepping in right off the bus, ready to go because of what they've done in college. Back in the day, we used to say, man, there's a lot of tailbacks, there's a lot of linebackers. Mm-hmm. And what I was more run and style to run. But now, so you're seeing a ton of well-developed uh, receivers and defensive backs. No doubt about it. We're talking right now with Emory Hunt, talking all things NFL draft here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. I did want to ask you about a couple DBs that you, you brought them up. Uh, LSU quarterback Cordell Flott and then uh, Pitt quarterback Damari Mathis. Both guys the Raiders have brought in for a top 30 visit. Both guys with a lot of speed. What are your thoughts on them? How can you break these guys down? Well, Flott is someone that definitely has a lot of speed. And I feel like when you watch him play, he's a slot corner, in my opinion. Um, he can mirror and match. He does a good job of just sticking and closing on the football. Uh, obviously, size is going to be something that people, you can bulk up. You can get him, you know, to add a little bit more weight. I feel like sometimes he plays a little small. Uh, but I feel like that's someone that you, you really want in your secondary just to be that third or fourth corner that um, that can help you out. And when you think about DeMar Matthews out of pit, you, you can't, it's one of those schools where you can sight unseen, right? You can sell me on a pit defensive back. A Utah defensive back, it doesn't matter. As long as you say they came from that school, San Diego State is another one. Yeah, give me that guy through and through. So, Matthews is someone that's, that's excellent in zone. And I think when you're, you're solid in zone, you, you tend to be a little bit patient, and therefore you're able to make plays when you have to make them. You're not getting jumpy and things like that. But it, for me, um, I feel like slot is someone that, that fits in with what they want to do uh, more so than anything. Yeah, Emery, when it comes to we'll stick to this position group, the corners and the receivers, on the draft guide you have position vitals. What are the what are the differences that scouts are looking for from the college level to the NFL level in skill sets? A lot of it ties to, uh, and and I know it's hard to, to, to see, but you see a lot of it and you tend to know it. It's the football IQ, the awareness. Uh, how well can someone understand what's going on? Because you have to assume that the athletic ability is going to be there because we wouldn't bring you in if you didn't have it. So how can you anticipate? How can you uh, quickly 
understand what's going on, and then can you make the play? A lot of times guys can get up on the whiteboard and they can you know, do a lot of things. They can explain themselves perfectly, but they can't make the play. And you have some guys, you see this a lot with quarterbacks, and people say, oh, this guy, you know, he, he's great on the whiteboard, uh, but when he gets out there on the field, he, he folds versus pressure. And then you see someone that may not be as, you know, apt on the whiteboard, but when he gets out there, he excels versus pressure. And so I think those are things you can see. They want to see how well you do in critical situations. Um, situational football is, is huge. Uh, that's your third downs, all that stuff like that, end zone, red zone, end the game situations. If you can excel in the, the situational football part and you show good football awareness, everything else is going to fall in line. We know about Jordan Davis from Obviously, he's the big man at the defensive tackle position. We know there's a couple that are going to go in the first round. But as far as the D tackles go, how deep is this class and who do you think would be available? Give me a couple names that you think might be available in that third round. I, you know what's interesting, and it's funny because when you think about the passing game, you think we're going to see a lot of you know three techniques. But I feel like defensive tackle is a little bit thin this year. You know, there's some good quality guys, Curtis Brooks, out of uh, Cincinnati, someone that just jumps out at me as a, as a great three-tech. But this is a deep nose tackle class. I feel like we should be talking about nose tackles mm. uh, when we're talking about the passing game, right? But Jordan Davis leads it off and, you know, he's the number one nose tackle. But Noah Ellis, and he's of the family business of the Luther Ellis's and those guys, um, mm-hmm. legitimately strong that I've – the strongest I've seen uh, from that position. But I'm not surprised because his whole family – was one of those teams that's strong. One of those guys is strong at the point of attack. Ridgeway, Arkansas is a good one. The, the Kentucky kid, McCall, is another good one. Um, so I feel like you can get some good nose tackles in this in this class. And I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up Taylor Humphrey from my University of Louisiana. Nice. I was at the East West Shrine Bowl, and it was unfair for someone like Alec Lindstrom, who you know had the not the luxury of going up against Taylor Humphrey. And when I say he moved him from center to tailback with how far he pushed him in the backfield. <laughs> and when you get someone that's 6'4", 350, and carries it well, that that's a problem. So I feel like if you need a nose tackle, this is one of the better classes to get some because there's some guys that can not only stop the run and occupy a gap, but also can be one-gap penetrators as well. Henry, this is great. Before I let you go, I got to ask you this one question because we always hear this word value. We always hear, you know, talent over value, value over talent. When it comes to trying to get a really great player, but you're also trying to get value whatever round you're you're selecting a player in, how much does that go into consideration? Or how much do you think that should go into consideration? From the Emory Hunt School of Scouting, it should never go into consideration. When you're sitting out there in week nine and so-and-so is making a, a play, you don't sit there and say, man, if only we would have got him in round six instead of round four. You just happy to do make it a play. Right. That's all that can you ball, can you make the play, and the value will take care of itself. I'd rather get I look at the draft as getting seven starters as opposed to a first round pick or a seventh round pick. I'm trying to nail every pick I have because you only get so many swings at bat. So I always look at talent over anything. I love it. I love it. Great breakdowns. Uh, We could talk NFL draft all day long. I mean, again, your draft guide that's out right now is fantastic. We're still trying to go through it all and check it all out this weekend. I'm going to take a deep dive. It's the football game plan, scouting draft, prospect guide. Uh, You can check it out. I'll tweet it out again so they have the link so that anyone else can reach out to you and and get it or or just go through it or whatever. Uh, What do you got coming out? What pieces do you got coming out? Any more mock drafts you got coming out ahead of the draft? We just put out a mock draft on CBS Sports. Uh, what would I do mock draft? You can see it on my Twitter page. Also, CBSSports.com. And we also have 
I do USFL stuff too, so you'll be able to see my USFL TV show every Saturday and Sunday nice. on Next Level Sports, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. on Saturday. So we got a lot of football here over a football game plan just coming out the pipe. I love it. I love it. Hey, well, when you make your way to Vegas, man, make sure you hit us up. We'll have to link up. Definitely. I love the food out there in Vegas. Absolutely. All right. Appreciate you, Emery. Thanks for your time, my man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. All right, there he goes. Great stuff. Emery Hunt, CBS Sports owner of Football Game Plan, on Twitter at F-Ball Game Plan. You can check him out. You can check out his guide right there. And have you got the whole thing downloaded and been able to get through it already? Oh, yeah. Like, well, I definitely haven't gotten through it already. But, I mean, <laughs> I've looked. You know, it's a lot. I love it, though. I do. And and uh, the wife always gets mad at me because I always have a bunch of different NFL draft guides, and I'll have them all offseason leading up to the draft. And then, of course, I'll use them a lot after the draft, like immediately after the draft. And then probably about, I don't know, a month after the draft is over, I'll forget that I have them. And so I'll just spend money on them and spend money on them but spend money on them. But when you put in the work that Emory put in on his draft guide, it's worth putting the money in. It's worth putting, you know, spending 12 bucks on to get an immediate download. I got it right to my email. Boom. Downloaded it. Had it immediately. Didn't have to worry about it coming in the mail like it used to. All that other good stuff. Boom. That's <laughs> I old saw school. on his Twitter the paper version. Yeah. Oh, man. That, that'd be like carrying around a phone book. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I'll, 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 take, I'll take the email. <laughs> I'm good. I'll take the download. But uh, good stuff there from Emery. Definitely appreciate his time. 247 is the time. Let's hear from you, Raider Nation. We haven't heard from you yet. 702-365-9200. Of course, the show is going fast and furious. We heard from George Takata earlier talking about Daryl LaMonica and the passing of him at age 80. Would love to hear from you. You got a mad bomber thought? You got a mad bomber memory? You know, was he one of your favorite Raiders growing up? I know for anyone who's, you know, over, over my age, I'm sure plenty of people were big-time uh, mad bomber fans. So we'd love to hear from you. Hit us up, 702-365-9200, also 69187, keyword r That's the Sam and Ash text line. We're coming to you live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, and this is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy, Q. Many thanks to Emery Hunt from CBS Sports to join us in the last segment to talk all things NFL Draft. We're one week away. Before Emery, we had George Dakota from the 559, longtime sports reporter there. Now at Reedley College, director of marketing, talked all things the Mad Bomber, Daryl LaMonica. We found out earlier today he passed away at the age of 80. Just saw him in October at Fred Belitnikov's Crab Feed. Matter of fact, you'll hear that conversation I had with the Mad Bomber coming up in about, I don't know, about 10 minutes or so. Uh, to kick off hour number two of the show. Right now, though, let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Of course, we want to hear from you. Talk to our guy, Mr. Black from Hawaii. What's on your mind, Mr. Black? Hey, how's it, brother? Aloha. Hey, aloha. I'll be there soon, man. I appreciate you. Oh, yeah. He's coming out. Yes, sir. May. I'll be there in May. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, man, some uh, serious childhood memories. Uh I'm 64, so I'm an old-timer, and uh, so I remember I grew up in the Bay Area, Fremont, and I remember the Mad Bomber when I was a kid, and and, uh, slinging them to Ward and Wells, and, you know, they just, they, uh, of course, the Raiders came in in 60, well, 1960, but had the Coliseum in 66, and they just took the Bay Area by storm, you know, they were on fire. Here's LaMonica just slinging it. I, you know, he had such a perfect throw. And, uh, and you know, his motto was, you know, let's throw it. Let's throw it deep, you know. Let's throw it deep. And uh, 
yeah, just a lot of great childhood memories growing up in that area during that time. And uh, yeah, sorely, sorely miss. He's one of my, one of my top quarterback favorites of all time. Nice, nice. Hey, thank you for the call, man. I do appreciate it. And yeah, seeing a lot of that on Twitter, seeing a lot of that, uh, been hearing that some some text messages that we received already talking about Daryl LaMonica and what he meant and just being the mad bomber. And we talked to George Takata, who had many uh, different conversations with uh, Daryl LaMonica uh, after he was done playing, but just spent that time in the 559. Of course, he's very close uh, and loved and beloved in the Central Valley. Uh, has a stadium named after him right there in, in Clovis. And it's crazy. As soon as the news broke, uh, I talked to my guy, C. K. from from Fresno does a sports show uh, and and he has me on like every week and so we we had a conversation and before before the or as soon as the conversation was over and then all of a sudden he realized that Daryl LaMonica passed away he's like hey man I got to call you back I got to call you back because we got to talk about this I mean that's how big of a a, a, a person and a life that uh, Daryl LaMonica was and how massive news that was uh, when he passed away I actually saw someone tweet in to uh, Raider Nation Radio matter of fact and let me see I'll pull this up real quick before we uh, we take a quick break but they had uh, tweeted in and said gonna find it right now this is gonna be called on the fly so I guess I'm not good at that, but hey, I'm trying. My man is like, I can't believe you're doing this. Cute, thanks. All right. Uh, okay, here we go. From Raider at Raider B Girl. She said, Raider Nation Radio 920, so surprising to hear about Daryl. He was fishing on Millerton Lake Monday, and my husband had lunch with him on the lake that day and said Daryl looked great, so it was just very sad and very surprising. That was Monday. You never know. You never know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. That's why I always say, man, take care of your family. Love on your family. You know, don't try to hold no grudges because you just don't know. 256 at the time. When we come back, you'll actually hear the conversation I had with the Mad Bomber back in October. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.